Our Ziegler Inspire podcast. My name is Blake Lindsay, and I'm always glad you're here. Thank you for telling everybody you know about this fun freebie that we so enjoy putting together for you. This week, I thought I would share with you a portion of Zig teaching an audience how to raise positive kids. Even if you don't have kids, this is worth listening to just for the jokes. Raising children these days can sometimes be difficult and even a little scary. Zig is going to give us some good common sense advice to help us keep our kids on the right track. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. A couple of years ago, my son-in-law, Chad Whitmire, and I were scheduled to speak out in California. We flew into Sacramento. Our host and hostess met us, and we were driven up to the little town of Auburn, California. Gracious, retired couple, and we got engaged in one of the most interesting conversation. And as we were riding up, they said to us, Do you know how far it is from where you're going to be speaking to where gold was discovered there at Sutter's Mill? And I said, No. He said, It's only about a 30-minute drive. If you've got time, you ought to run over there. I said, Well, I'd love to see it. Unfortunately, I don't even have the 30 minutes because we speak in scoot, as we often do on these occasions. But I said, Do you know what is just an hour's distance from there? He said, No. I said, Well, let me tell you a little story. The man who discovered the gold was John Marshall. He's the one that turned the platter and saw the gleaming little nuggets of gold there, and the gold rush was on. Men came from all over the world, literally, certainly from almost every state in the Union, and many people found their fortune. But in the late 1880s, in an abandoned mine shaft, an hour's drive from where the gold was discovered, they found the body of a derelict, a man named John Marshall, the man who had discovered the gold in the beginning, had never taken time to stake his claim. You know the sad thing in America is we've got a lot of people who've never taken time to stake their claim. Most significantly as parents, many parents have never taken the time and the energy and the effort to show their children on a step-by-step -step procedure what life has to offer them 
if they will claim it. When we build our lives and when we help our children to build their lives on a solid foundation, a solid moral base, then you can go just about anywhere. But our kids today, more than ever before, are going to go by example. One of the things y'all mentioned in these qualities of success, one of the things you mentioned was this thing called honesty. You see, so many parents will say to their kids, tell the truth. Telephone rings. Tell them I'm not home. Little do they realize that when they teach their kids to lie for them, they've just taught the kids to lie to them. The kids are learning from an expert, the master deceiver. And you see, the truth of the matter is, what you are speaks so loudly that the kids can hear a word that you're saying. Many times we've had parents say, obey the law. Now the reason I use a fuzz buster, and what they're really saying is, look, if you're going to break the law, don't be a dumb bunny and get caught. Be like your old man. Be smart. Now what you ought to do is be a good citizen. Pay your taxes. I'd pay mine if the government didn't waste the money. And what they're doing again is saying one thing but teaching another. We've got to build a solid foundation if we are going to really raise those positive kids. If hypocrisy was ever in, it is out today. In the world in which I live, I do a lot of talking about moral values. In our school programs called I Can, we teach a lot about moral values. We teach it not from the moral aspect, though I find no trouble with that and have no fault with it, but we teach it as a practical approach to life. Dr. Robert Coles of Harvard University just finished a 20-year study on the subject. He was asked the question, what's the most important things you can teach your children if you want your children to be successful? And Dr. Coles, the world-renowned psychiatrist, said, if you want to give your children the best chance at success, you will teach them strong moral values. If you were to go down the list of the qualities of success that you've identified to me in the first recording and look back at it, you would discover that over 50% of these really are moral values that we are talking about. And if you look carefully, you'll discover that every single quality which you identified are also identified very clearly in the Bible, the greatest success book ever written. Now, what am I saying? I'm really saying that the most important thing that we can teach our kids if we want them to be positive and successful in life are the qualities which we've all known really all of our lives are the important ones. We've got to teach our kids that they've got to be team players and that they've got to learn and accept responsibilities on a daily basis in the home. It's not something that mom does or dad does. There are little things that even the three and four-year-olds can start participating in. I love this little story which says so much. Four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. And an important job had to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. 
Anybody could have done it, but nobody did. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job and everybody knew anybody could do it and that somebody would do it, but nobody realized that everybody thought somebody would do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Now, uh, you know, that pretty well sums up what we're talking about. And you mothers especially will relate to what I'm talking about because it seems that the jobs around the house not previously designated, all the unidentified jobs, mom, that is her job. And what we need to do in all fairness to the children is to give them an opportunity to share in growth privileges, and opportunities. If one person does it all, you might can do it faster, you might can do it easier, you might can do it better. But then the kids will assume pretty quickly that you are so much better at it than they are that it's no point in them getting involved and from then on in it's difficult to get them to participate. To raise positive kids, I'm convinced that one of the most important things that you can give that child is a good name. Somebody once said that a good name was better to be chosen than great riches. I'm absolutely convinced that in today's world, a good name is great riches. And to raise positive kids in a negative world. We need to train ourselves to look for the positive there, the good things about them. And then once we've found some of the good, we need to tell them. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the Suzuki method of music. Shinichi Suzuki, the famous Japanese doctor, teaches music to kids and he teaches them while they're still in the crib. Literally, they listen to cassette recordings of music. When the kids start playing, one of the first things they teach them, once they're old enough to hold the bow in the hand, even before they really get proficient, one of the very first things he teaches them to do is to take a bow. And the reason they teach them to take a bow is that always when a musician bows, what does the audience do? They applaud, that's right. And they found that applause is one of the real great motivators of life. And if we can find something to applaud our kids about, then we're going to be able to do some things. Now, before I make the next statement, let me make it absolutely clear, as I hope I did in the first recording, but for fear I did not. Folks, we don't have an education problem. We've got a society problem. And so when I simply make the next statement, I don't want it taken out of context because obviously many, many of our school teachers, principals, superintendents, administrators are the finest people on the face of this earth. But the National Parent Teachers Organization came up with this figure. 18 out of every 19 inputs into the mind of the child is of a negative nature. Now, what that says to us is we've got to do something about it. The Wisconsin study revealed that 80% of the kids had a pretty good self-image when they entered the first grade, but only 20% of them had a good self-image by the time they got to the sixth grade. Again, I'm not saying it's what they learned in school. That's society. That's what we were talking about, the music and the television and all of the other negatives. But I am saying, again, we need to bring it back home where the parents make absolutely certain that we're taking care of that positive input. They did a study on 60 kids. They broke them into three groups, 20 in each group. They gave them mathematics tests five days in a row. 
The first group, they bragged on them profusely, just really picked out the good things that uh, they had done, you know, and bragged on their accomplishment. The second group, they criticized pretty severely about what they had done, the mistakes they had made. And the third group, they ignored. At the end of the five days, the group they had praised lavishly had dramatic improvement. The group they had criticized had some improvement. The group they had ignored had no improvement. See, the worst thing we can do is ignore the kids. Amazingly enough, that's one of the reasons a lot of kids do a lot of rebelling and get in a lot of trouble and do things as they were, it appears to be deliberately to get your attention, knowing that the only attention they're going to get is a licking. But they have found that that kind of attention is better than no attention at all. That is in the mind of the child. I know that Zig sure gave us some things to think about. Raising kids can be a daunting task, so I certainly hope you receive some encouragement about the benefits of taking the effort and time to do it well. If you're a parent searching for more information, I want you to know that this talk came from information in Zig's book, Raising Positive Kids in a Negative World. You can pick up a copy at your local bookstore, library, or of course right here at Ziegler.com. Until next week, I'm Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Ziggler. Ziggler. Inspiring true performance.